0: georgie coming to you with chats about all aspects of design creativity and its influence on life
1: can i get a whoop 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 whoop
2: this This is creative Clinks. clinks
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Clinks. Today we have the absolute pleasure of chatting to the incredible lighting designer Amy Schulenberg of Next Contrast. Hi Amy, welcome to Creative Clinks. Hi Barbie, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. We're very excited to have you on. I've had the pleasure of chatting to you before and I know how incredible your work is. And we are very excited to be able to share that with everyone and hear about your story. So Amy, can you tell us what actually brought you into a career in lighting design?
2: I mean it's a really weird thing isn't it why would someone enter into the world of lighting design it doesn't it's not something you set out to do <laughs> I guess really for me it started absolutely ages ago I was I was at uni, obviously, my background is in interior design, so it has to stem from somewhere. And when we did our thesis here, I explored invisible forces. So those sorts of things that influence interiors, but they're not tangible. We can't touch them. They're not textures. They're not things that form an interior that we really know that much about. And that's where it kind of came from to begin with. But when I finished lighting and doing all that sort of stuff and that exploration, I was just so happy to step away from it I'm like I've had enough I'm just in sick of this you know invisible forces and all this sort of stuff (laughs) but it took about a year and then all of a sudden it just flowed straight back to me and I'm straight into lighting design again and it was just it just kept developing from there and it just took off.
1: Wow I love it. How neat. Yeah. And I'm like sitting here in my new office and I'm looking at I really need some lighting help. Mm-hmm. I literally just moved in and haven't I haven't done my lighting right or anything like that. So Yeah, you've got like one light that's pointing directly yes. into your camera and I was yes. just
0: like, we'll sort this light It's too <laughs> high
1: up to adjust yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously being from interiors myself, I I understand the importance of lighting. It is just, it's something that I think is so, I guess I'm going to say neglected overall, not only by designers, but obviously by the general public or or people that we're designing for who don't really understand the importance of lighting. How do you find that that is something that you obviously have a very special talent and can and can use that to really let a customer understand how important it is. How do you do that? Because I definitely need help in, in this part of um, my job in trying to make people understand the importance of lighting.
2: Yeah, it's not easy. That's for mm. sure. It's not like you can physically see what it is. And so someone can say that'll do something. And then this is, we'll do the same thing. But really, unless you have two things next to each other, you can actually physically see how one is performing against another. And that's where we can sort of like take out all that ambiguity, everything that sort of happens that you're not sure of, we can actually know exactly what we're looking at and just sort of go, well, no, this is the reason why you would go with this fixture and not this one. And this is going to produce that effect. And you want to go in this direction. And there's always things that come into play that, you kind of want your client to understand where you're coming from. And then sometimes they nod their head and say, oh yeah, but they don't (laughs) really know. So it's sort of blind faith sometimes that they're having in terms of knowing what it is that you do. But at the same time, you know, you explain the reasons why you would make a decision and it unfolds quite well.
0: When it comes down to like the designing of a space, when is it You step in at a certain point? Are you there from start to finish within a project?
2: We like to be. We like to be right from the beginning through to the end um, for a number of reasons. And firstly, if we're there at the beginning, we can understand the objective, the vision, what they want to achieve. And it's our job to actually make people remember the spaces that they're in. So you want to sort of Mm. walk away from somewhere and go, oh, God, that felt so good. Or you want to walk away and tell someone about, how great a certain space was, and that's kind of where we come in because we help generate that feeling, that sense of, you know, it's an ambience, it's something that really is a massive part of the puzzle that people don't necessarily understand or know what that is. When it does happen and people go, yeah, the lighting's great, yeah, it's because they've had a lighting designer. There's someone behind the scenes working on that job. Yeah, wow. And it's important then that we are there at the end stages because I know even a project I'm on at the moment, we're in construction and so many things are changing. But as long as I can sort of still refine the project and go, well, this is the intention, this is what we're doing, this decision is really important. Okay, we can let this go. As long as I'm there to actually still guide the project, we can come up with something and follow that through. But if we're not there, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you lose that <laughs> control of that sense of, you know, making sure something can happen that's quite, you know, realistically beautiful at the end of the day.
0: Never realised that, that you could focus in on such a niche part of the industry. But yeah, that's really incredible to be able to have that role.
2: Yeah, it's a nice one to have. You yeah, know, it seems like a really small role to have in, in many ways. But to be honest, it's kind of you work on one project and there are so many different things that you have to deal with, and you take experience from the different challenge that comes on. Then you go, oh, Oh, great, okay, great, so I've got that. And then after a while you build up all these experiences and you've got this big basket of tricks and (laughs) things that you can use on your next project and, you know, it kind of evolves and the challenges are always great even though the intention is always the same. I actually think
1: it's probably one of the most technical aspects of overall interior design or any kind of even landscape design, everything to do with designing of a space. And I think like what you were saying in the beginning is that, you know, people will nod and say, yes, that they understand it. But the reality is, unless you've really studied it like you have, it's like another language, really, you know, even just trying to buy the average light bulb, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes that can be quite confusing for someone. Whereas, you know, your technical knowledge that you have with actually creating ambiance or it's so complex and it's a hard thing to get your head around. Like you said, do you find that your even other designers still struggle with trying to learn the actual technicalities of lighting design? And that's
2: obviously where you come in. Sometimes, sometimes I work with people, they, they know what it's about, they can understand exactly what's going on. And that and that's great. And there are other people who just need that little extra piece of guidance. And it's our, it's our job as a support staff, like we're, we're support to the designer, even though we're designers ourselves. It's their project, it's their vision that we're working with. And so it's our ability to just bring that little extra something that really propels it to the next level. And it always does. In many ways, when we do what we do, we'll give an, an example or we'll explain as well as we can as to why we're making certain decisions and then people understand exactly what it is that we're trying to do. But unless we can explain that in, in a way that who we know our audience is, then yeah. what I would tell an architecture interior designer might be very different to what I told the client. It will be the same information but delivered differently just so they can yeah. understand It's the same as, like you mentioned before, just selecting a light bulb. You know, what is it that you're after? Do you want something that's going to glow or do you want an accent for a reading light or something Mm. like that and how that sits in the space? And that's why that sort of interior design background comes in so clearly because you can understand spatial awareness and what you're dealing with on the whole.
1: Yeah. So this job of yours has taken you all over the world. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, it has. It has. <laughs> yeah, not intentionally at first, it just sort of evolved and happened. So after uni, I went to Sydney and I lived there for a while. And then I worked on a project in New Zealand. And then so there was a bit of trouble involved there. And then I came back to Melbourne and I worked for a company, which meant I was traveling all over the place. So I ended up in the Middle East and Japan. and I did a massive extended stay in china for a hotel project and yeah it's just getting to work in these different locations the travel is there's something about it that's you're doing the same thing but you're working in a different culturally yeah
1: yeah, like the
2: way that people act in the space and the way they react when they're here it's all very different and Mm. uh, quite an amazing experience
1: how do you think that working overseas has shaped you as a designer now compared to to staying in Australia? And like you said, there's that cultural difference, but also there's very different design all around the world compared to what we have here in Australia. What has it taught you?
2: The
1: biggest thing it's taught me
2: is I think flexibility in terms of what it is that we can do and how that can be translated so I might do something within another country and it's just it's it feels different like it feels different because of the weather and the environment and like I said the way people act within the space it might be very same it is similar in terms of what we deliver in Australia as opposed to what we do over there but it, it just feels different
0: the impact is different it is just
2: that yeah yeah.
0: What would have to be your like standout favorite project that you've been a part of?
2: Oh, I've got a couple actually, but the but only because of the location. So I've just enjoyed the experience of being on those locations. But my favorite experience in terms of my favorite project was the hotel project where I was on site for an extended period. And the reason why is just because I was able to see that transition, that construction as it evolved in developed and went further and finished into what we created and so Mm. to to work from the project those initial concept stages and then to be there and see the unfoldment of everything you just learn so much and you get so much out
0: of it and it's very rewarding yeah I love it that's awesome
2: I think they're the best projects when you can be there at the end Mm.
0: Oh, definitely. Especially like as a graphic designer, I always see everything. I'm always working on screen. Most of the things are for digital. And then there'll be those few times where print assets will be involved. And then you get to see it actually finished and in front of you. And it's always the most exciting experience every single time. Like the novelty hasn't worn off. Yeah. People interacting with it, or how it is in like the real space that it was intended for. Exactly that the way people interact with it. That is, yeah. is ultimately the, the nice thing towards the end. I mean, there's
2: a moment of exhaustion where you just sort of can't breathe, really, because it's, <laughs> yes, and, you know, when you get past that, it's like, oh, yeah. It's, you know,
1: yeah, there's that moment in every project where I feel you 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 say to yourself, and I often say it to a client too, I'm like, I know it's hard right at the moment, but it will all be worth
2: it in the end. I'm assuming yeah. you've experienced that many times too. It comes and goes. I think some of the challenges, it's like, oh, that's been thrown at me now, God. And then you get through it and then yeah. it's like, yeah. next time you encounter something similar and it's so easy.
1: So what are the challenges of a lighting designer? What do you think your biggest challenges are?
2: They change. They change. So what might be a challenge for one project won't be a challenge for another. Yeah. So they're just little things that we just have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I think mostly if the project doesn't flow towards the end, what we intend to do at the start of the project, if that doesn't sort of follow through, you know, you kind of have to just, sort of put your hands up and just okay, fine. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. You can't do much more at this point and just and be okay with it. And sometimes that's what has to happen.
1: What is it that you feel that your everyday person could understand about lighting and its importance? teach us something. <laughs> if you could walk away and just teach us one thing about lighting that you feel could actually make an impact in your own personal space, what do you think that might be?
2: If you think about being in an office space or being in a space where you do, you spend a lot of time and you're sitting there and you've, <laughs> you're sitting at your desk and you're kind of wondering why you're exhausted all the time. And it's not necessarily because of the tasks that you're doing. I mean, a lot of people enjoy their work. I know I do. But sometimes I'll get exhausted and it's like, oh, what's going on here? And you walk away from your desk, you get something to eat or drink, and then you'll realise it's because the lighting is actually not very good. And so you're exiting the space and it's actually not good for productivity. It's not good for enjoying the space and being uplifted by what's going on around you. So I think if there was one thing that I wish people would understand is how significant it is that, we are in really good lighting. So there's a massive difference between a good light source and a bad light source. You might have something, like I said, they might look to be the same thing and deliver the same thing, but the quality of light is not. So one might make you really tired and, yeah, it's, it's not a good light source to be under, and another one will energise you a bit more and you'll get more productivity out of what you're doing. Yeah. Another good example is... If you think about when you take a long-haul flight and they, they change the lighting in the plane, I mean, it's all very deliberate. They want you actually, they want to affect your circadian rhythms and bring you down a notch, help you relax and things like that. Lighting has the means to do so much to the way we feel and our mood. You know, in the evening, we actually do have to slow down a bit so we don't want to be surrounded by bright light sources. I mean, a lot of people think the more light, the better. You know, you need to be able to see, but that's really, really not the case at all when you start to be around lower lit spaces in the evening, you can still wind down and stay awake, if you know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> and then sort of experience as opposed to getting exhausted by being under a bright light source.
1: It's so, it's so interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say because it makes me think of something, Georgie, very quickly, is that I always say to my husband, and this is in the evening, I'm like, I need to have all the lights off in the house for me to wind down. And I've got this thing in my head too, that for my daughter to be able to wind down, that I need to have all the (laughs) lights off in the house. And he's actually like, well, no, I want all the lights on. And it's, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Like for me, lights off means it's time to wind down, but it could be exactly what you said, that it's actually just, I've got the wrong type of lighting. Really interesting how there's like
2: just behavioral changes. He might need light, but the light might not be on in the right areas. And yeah. So, by counteracting that, you just put all the lights on and then, okay, fine, I've got light. Whereas, if you've got a sitting at the table and you've got the right light source at the table, you don't need all the other light sources on.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of
2: just so, just make sure that you're using what you've got in the best way possible. Mm.
0: Is there a single magical bulb that you can purchase <laughs> that doesn't impact your productivity or is it it's an assessing the environment type situation? No.
2: Um, <laughs> there's not one bulb as such. I mean, for us, when we look at selecting light fixtures, we always go for higher colour renderings. It's the RA index. So anything over 90 is a really good colour rendering. So it's going to be a more true... Light source in terms of what it's delivering it's around 70 or 80. They're the light sources that are going to make you exhausted and not make you look very good. (laughs) I think if you if you're working at a desk, as long as you've got a higher color rendering, that's a great thing. Color temperatures around 3000K. If it's in the evening, if you've got warmer color temperatures around the 20, 24 to 2700K K being Kelvin. Um, that's always a good thing to have. So you don't, you know, you don't want light sources that are a cooler color. You, know, you want the warmer color. And some, sometimes we have light sources that are dimmable, and they'll dim from a cooler color temperature during the day, and they'll dim down to a warmer color temperature really? in the evening. So they're wow. always a great way to go as well. But there's always solutions in different ways of doing it when you get to the more technical levels
0: and do you find that you've become like very particular with your own space at home or do you kind of like get home and go whatever it is I just don't care I don't want to think about lights. I do sometimes
2: I'm like oh all lights out I just can't
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah but I, I am I, whenever I test light fixtures I always look at them and sort of see okay so oh so that height actually is a lot better than this height and this will be a better solution for this or that. And if I think about my lounge, I've got six down lights in the whole area and they're all different, like different yeah, lights. of wow. oh, wow. them. Not necessarily because I want them because I've designed it that way but because I test things and I change things around all the time. And, Amy, do you design your,
1: um, some of your own light fixtures too?
2: No. Um, we have people who do custom lights custom fixtures for projects so okay yeah brilliant yeah I wouldn't design those myself it's a bit out of my (laughs) are you sure you
1: haven't been tempted to do that
2: (laughs) I have I have done a little bit in the past but not not enough to sort of go yeah this is my strength I kind of I know that there are other fixture designers who do an incredible job and I absolutely love to have them working on the job
1: Yeah, there is. It's actually one of those things where I'm like, I would love to do that. I've always actually wanted to design a lighting fixture or have some kind of range myself. I don't know if I actually have the talent to do it, but I absolutely love the idea of at least attempting
2: it. It's always good to have those sorts of thoughts as well. And it generally leads somewhere.
1: It does, it does. So we do actually ask all of our guests three questions that we would like to know about yourself a little bit more.
0: So Georgie, do you want to ask the first one? Our first question is, what is a fun fact about yourself that is is not very well known that you're happy to share?
2: The only thing I can think of, I'm sure I've got better fun facts than this, but (laughs) um, I know I used to do martial arts and I did it for years and years and years. I was never really into it, but I was good at it, and I thought, okay, fine, so I just kept going. And I realized that as soon as I wasn't doing it, um, I got really frustrated and I couldn't quite focus anymore. So I've always been into getting my aggression out, and then when I can do that, I, I feel that I design better.
0: That's really interesting. That is a very fun fact about yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those weird things. I will admit, though, if, if you ever get the chance to go to a smash room, oh, afterwards, I felt so chill. Oh. <laughs> I either need to do this more often or really check in with myself more often. <laughs> I think as long
2: as I, there's some sort of sporting activity as well, like after lockdown or through the end stages of lockdown, we've got a driving range near here. So I started playing golf just so I could hit a golf ball. And that equally was, yeah, had a lot of fun doing
1: that. That's awesome. That's a great fun fact. All right. Question number two, what's one thing that you would love to do in the future, but you've always been a little bit hesitant to do yet, whether that's got something to do with your business or something personal, but you're just a little bit scared, but it's something on, I guess, your bucket list to
2: do. Um, um, I. I do. I am a skier and I absolutely love just going to different places around the world and skiing. So I think if I was to do something that I haven't done, I would love to do a trip where I just spend the year and just do the whole, just go from one place to another.
0: Wow. This is also snow skiing, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. The last question is what is something that you're wanting to implement for this year that will either help you grow professionally or personally?
2: Well, I've been working a lot on that in the last year or so. The team that I have at the moment, it's it's changing and evolving. So mm-hmm. I've got some really great people and I'm like, oh, it just gives me so much energy and I feel really great about the people who I'm working with. But it's it's taken a while to get to that and I, mm. it's kind of you have to make some hard decisions sometimes and then other times it's kind of like you want people around you that, you know, they build each other up and yeah. give strength to not only the project but to your working environment just to continue to work on that and just build that team bigger and better and stronger and, yeah, I think then we have more to offer the community in terms of what we can do as lighting designers and we can make it easier for other people to understand what it is that we do. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And nice. how many people do you currently have working with you?
2: So we have four. We have mm-hmm. four of us working and then we work with another group as well who, um, yeah, who we work very closely with. So it depends on the size of the project and what we're working on.
1: And are you all lighting designers as such?
2: No, we have different skills. That's great. Thanks.
1: That's amazing. And is there anything that you can share with us that is exciting, you don't have to name the project, that you're working on at the moment?
2: I'm working on a couple of projects are in construction, so they've, they've reached a stage now where it's becoming quite interesting and they yeah. the stages that I really enjoy. I mean, it, it, sound, it sounds strange that you would say you enjoy it when everything's starting to go a bit haywire, but it's kind of just making sure that you're piecing together what needs to happen. It's like a jigsaw puzzle you kind of know what it's going to be at the end, but you've got to make sure those pieces can fit together.
1: And most of your projects, are they? do they span over a long period of time or do you have those little short burst projects as well?
2: Yeah, I've had some projects I've been involved in for, you know, maybe three or four weeks where, you know, occasionally people come to us just for, you know, they just want some guidance. They just want to know, yeah. you know, am I doing the right thing here or can you give me some advice on what fixtures to purchase within which price guide that they're working within or it might be more involved so if we if we're looking at more involved projects maybe 2 years if longer times longer depending on the size of the project wow
0: and do you have any passion projects that that you'd really like to work on in the future um, no i think every project has a unique set of things that they offer um, but really the
2: projects that we'd love to work on which is our skill set is is around um, hospitality, creating moods for spaces, making sure that we can experience something where it's sort of like, oh, yeah, it just feels really good in here. And that's where we come in because we kind of can understand that and we have a background in what that is. So Mm -hmm. whether that's in hospitality, um, residential or even hotels.
0: Nice. That's beautiful. And for people who want to give your portfolio a bit of a stalk, where can they find you?
2: So you can find us on our website, nextcontrast.com or LinkedIn. Obviously, you can find us through there. And we also have an Instagram profile, Next Contrast as well.
0: Lovely.
1: Awesome. Now we have one last thing, which we always finalize our podcast with Amy. This is our catchphrase. So Amy from Next Contrast, can we get a whoop whoop? (laughs) that's brilliant
0: for now we'll leave you with that and have a great week cheers